We have our full team here, of course, as we broadcast from 7,000 miles away and bring you special guests. And we are heading into our uh, first hour this morning with a very, very special guest, somebody who can enlighten us about life here in Dubai and certainly can give us an amazing perspective when it comes to the business community here in Dubai. He is the Deputy Managing Director of Oasis Investments. He is Vice Chair of Al-Shirawi Group of Companies. He is a founding member of the UAE-Israel Business Council. Um, Thani Thani Al-Shirawi, correct? You you pronounced it perfectly. Oh, I'm very proud of myself, (laughs) especially this early in the show. (laughs) And it is an honor to welcome you to what we call our JM and the AM radio broadcast. I mean, the honor is mine. This is my first radio uh, interview uh, in the States, so uh, I am uh, on top of the moon at the moment. (laughs) Much appreciated. (laughs) I thank you for that. Um, Well, I mean, let's start with what life was like before there was an agreement between the UAE and Israel. Because one of the things, frankly, that we've discovered, none of us have been to the UAE before, Mm -hmm. is that for the last few decades, the UAE had been building up an incredible residential area, plus an amazing tourist destination. So what was it like here for the decades before there was a direct relationship between Israel and the UAE? Uh... I am not that old, or I would say I'm young. I'm uh, 45 years old, and uh, I've seen uh, three Dubais. The Dubai that I grew up in as a teenager uh, was, I would say, a small city. Uh, Where we are at the moment uh, was desert. There was nothing here. I remember it like yesterday. Uh, The uh, airport that you came in was literally... 5% 5% in, in, in size. And then Dubai grew. Uh, and uh, the Dubai of my 20s and early 30s was the starting of the transformation. And I would say that was the uh, turning point when we saw the desert getting further and further uh, away from the city. And uh, we saw more high rises coming up. Uh, more foreigners, while as a, uh, as a city, Dubai, being a trading hub for decades, we are used to foreigners. Uh, we locals are the minority here, and we were okay with it. We were, uh, we were never feeling threatened. We always had people from the, sub, uh, from the sub-Indian continent. We had people from East Africa. We had uh, from other Arab countries. Uh, Europeans and even some uh, from Persia but uh, this was when more people started coming started seeing more nationalities that were not used to Brazilian Canadians uh, Dutch we had German but we didn't have Dutch we had uh, Spanish we didn't have Portuguese so that was I would say a transformation Mm -hmm. and Dubai was becoming more international I mean no longer I mean I studied in the States from 93 to 97 Whenever anybody asked me, where are you from? And I would say, well, do you know Saudi Arabia? They say, <laughs> yes, because it was after the Gulf War. Right. Okay. Uh, yes, well, we are next door. And But then I stopped saying Saudi Arabia because, you know, right away they used to ask me, can women drive in your country? Okay. And here, women, I mean, it, unlike Saudi, Saudi Arabia, uh, women here, uh, I would say we portray ourselves as uh, being a patriarch uh, society. But let me tell you, we are not. Uh, the women wear the pants. <laughs> 
<laughs> not the men. <laughs> there are plenty of roles here. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And then Dubai of today. Dubai of today is an international place. Dubai, I no longer have to say, where is Dubai? On the contrary, now from where is Dubai has turned, wow, you're, you're from Dubai. And that is a big difference for us as locals uh, and growing up uh, and growing up uh, here. We are proud of our city. We are happy of uh, what we have achieved in a very, very short time. We'll talk about Israel in a moment. But Thani, if I may, when you were studying in the U.S. in the mid-90s, that was where? In what state of the uh, For one year I was in Texas and for three years I was in, uh, I was in Boston. And there's a, an impression, uh, I think, among most Americans that um, that people from this side of the world, people who live in this neighborhood, so to speak, yes. Saudi Arabia and its surrounding area, yes. uh, are, are of a certain background, uh, maybe limited education. I think that might be an impression, especially in the 90s, of yes. that, that people may have had there. And then you come there, and they discover that there's somebody who's, not just somebody, but you're representing thousands, if not so many more, yes. that want to advance and want to take advantage of an American education in their own country. Uh, definitely, and the country w- uh, and the country itself, the countries, I would say, in this t- in this uh, neighborhood, not only the United Arab Emirates, were encouraging that. Right. They were uh, sponsoring and sending students on scholarships, especially for fields that we needed, such as medicine, such as uh, theor- uh, theoretical science. Fields that were lacking here and had to be filled exactly exactly and some of the fields also and some countries were even uh, 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 discussing with some banks or some companies in the United States to give internship experience right. to uh, to the uh, to the students and uh, I was one of the guys that benefited from so what was your impression I mean Texas and Boston okay we're from New York but what and I assume you visited New York at, um, at certain uh, times I, l- I love that city. so what what are your impressions because we came here knowing that New York is the capital of the world, quote-unquote, yes. and started saying to ourselves, you know, there may be a shift because this capital of the world and, you know, where everybody gravitates to that's such so attractive, we, we think that this area now, after just being here a couple of days, could actually take some of that away from New York. Do you still think New York is at the top of the list when it comes to uh, this category? First of all, let me give uh, uh, myself and our leaders a pat on the back for a New Yorker to say oh, that yeah. he thinks that we are, uh, we are, I mean, I know New Yorkers how proud they are. And living in Boston, I experienced it. I mean, whenever I went to New York to visit and I tell them I'm from Boston, I experienced it firsthand. <laughs> uh, first Even that, to that degree? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I could not walk in the streets wearing a Boston Red Sox uh, hat. Yes. Boy. Yeah. They were, uh, I mean, uh, for God's sake, uh, they still, I mean, Boston. Trust me, they're still public enemy number one in New York. I, I know, I know. I mean, uh, Boston did not forget Babe Ruth and New York. They remind us every single time about, <laughs> about Babe Ruth. So, uh, and that was a long time ago. Exactly, exactly. And living uh, two streets away from Fenway Park. Okay, Is so that where you were? <laughs> exactly. In exactly. the middle of college town? Yeah, yeah. And on uh, Brookline uh, yeah. Street, if you've sure. been there, uh, there sure. is a huge uh, synagogue. I was That's literally, correct. I was uh, literally 10 meters away. Unbelievable. Uh, so, uh, uh, I would say the uh, Dubai, uh, okay, it's very difficult today to say a one country or one city to be the capital. Right. But definitely, I, uh, I would not. I will still put New York ahead. Uh, you have many laps ahead of us. Uh, but I would say Dubai is up there. 
Especially in the tourism category. Especially in the tourism right. category. Uh, that we've achieved. Of course, we don't have the nightlife uh, or the music. I mean, I love the musicals. Uh, when I go there every night, right. I am. Th- those I shows aren't gravitating here yet. But not yet. Right. I mean, the cultural side hasn't right. come yet. Let me put it this way. While the investments are here to our size, not in New York size. The investments are here. The tourists we get, uh, the city tourists. I mean, a lot of New Yorkers, uh, they don't come for the culture. They come for the city tourists, right. for the buzz. For the elect- for the for the concrete yeah. jungle, as I, they call I it. I come for the space, frankly, because <laughs> you know in Manhattan we're really cramped, and yes. here it's yes. just amazing how you build <laughs> yes. and, the, and the type of space we get to enjoy. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if uh, actually if you go to the other uh, cities in the country, you will even find it bigger. I mean, they actually like how you explain Manhattan to us. Right. We explain Dubai to them right. <laughs> that our place is cramped. Frankly, only in Scandinavia did I feel comfortable being this size until I got here. I, I felt finally there's some room to, to move around for somebody my size. Uh, are you sure? Because I visit Sweden quite often yeah. and uh, a lot of times I have to walk into the room sideways. <laughs> because Interesting. It's, it's tight. <laughs> well, if you notice, the, ta- the tables and counters are much <laughs> yes. higher than the United States. Yes. Let's put yes. it that way. <laughs> yes. So now we get to the Israel piece. Of and, and you know why we're here. We're yeah. here because of this incredible story that we're trying to bring to our listeners. Everyone knows about it and the people that listen yep. to us are familiar with the deal. Yes. But coming and seeing it with our own eyes, hearing it with our own ears is simply remarkable. Definitely. We have spoken to people that were stunned, especially on the Jewish-Israeli side, that were stunned in August when all this started to quickly develop. Was it as stunning here? Did you expect that there would be a UAE-Israel friendship and one that would accelerate the way this has? Uh, to be honest, uh, this is an, uh, uh, an old desperation for the, that I've been having. For the past 10 years, I've been reaching out to uh, to uh, uh, through social uh, I mean thanks to social I mean to right. social media it right. has good things too <laughs> believe it or not <laughs> yeah I was reaching to people in Israel discussing I like I mean being a history buff and and I love discussions about philosophy about re- religion so I was discussing with Israelis a lot of points politics uh, religion and uh, uh, when I talk to somebody my point is not to convince them nor nor uh, my job is for them to hear my point of view and f- to hear their point of view and then at the end of the day you be the judge of whatever you want to believe uh, so uh, I was listening to them and I was aspiring for peace from I would say from the second half of my teens uh, I was aspiring for peace I read a quote by Napoleon I mean himself being a warlord he said the second worst thing uh, after a, uh, the second worst thing in a battle is winning, when he saw his soldiers uh, dead on mm-hmm. uh, in the field. So the same thing, I would say, w- regardless who won and who lost the war. Okay, we lost um, uh, all of the wars, but if you go to the family of uh, of uh, uh, of uh, of uh, okay, sorry, if you go to a family that have lost a loved one in a war, and you tell them we won the war, how do you think they would feel? Yeah. How do you think they would feel? They'd say at a very, very big cost. Exactly. Yeah. They lost a brother, I mean, yeah. a father, a mother, a cousin, a son. You know that everyone in Israel can relate to what you're saying. A hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, uh, w- w- why can't we can't why can't we be friends, and then negotiate peace? Because if you're negotiating peace with adversaries, you are playing poker. Let us let us face it. If you are negotiating with uh, with adversaries, but if you are negotiating with friends. You are building a partnership, and we need to build a partnership. So I'm not a politician. I'm not a diplomat. 
I'm a businessman and uh, okay some people nowadays call me a peace s- s- mm. propagator okay so so yes uh, I was reaching out and August and I was loud on social media I uh, I even changed my belief in the word Zionism that has been vilified in the Arab world it's been vilified in my education system myself here here Here, I mean, until 1990, we were not allowed to say Israel in school. We used to call it the Zionist re- regime without understanding what does Zionism mean. So, <laughs> so they never explained to us what does Zionism mean. It just it's an evil thing. It's a bad thing. So when I understood the word Zionism, I changed. When I was reading books here and there about about the about the problem and about what does Zionism really really mean, I was saying. For God's sake, why are we fighting? We are both saying the same thing in a different way. We are looking at the same crystal, but we are looking looking at it from a different angle, so the reflection is different. But we are holding the same crystal. So then I was trying to explain Zionism to my fellow Arabs and Muslims. What does Zionism mean? Zionism is coexistence. Zionism is, plural, is pluralism. It's the right of the Jewish people to live in the Holy Land with everybody else. It, nowhere it says kick somebody else, kick out. Now, if a small group of people use this slogan for, uh, f- uh, to do uh, some actions and they justified it you don't blame the ideology you don't blame zionism you blame these people in islam we've had lots of people and you as new yorker you've suffered of people from that i share with them a race a red religion that have vilified my religion my religion that i love my religion that i believe in i'm a devout muslim I believe in my religion, and my religion, unfortunately, has been vilified in, in the world. I mean, you know, you were in the United States. You know the general impression. Thank God I was there before September 11. I wouldn't have imagined how would I feel if I was there at some, uh, during September, uh, September 11. Uh, was that a terribly sad day for you? Def- 100%. Uh, because three, day, three months after that, I was on my honeymoon, and I was in there. Suddenly, the guy in the elevator taking me to the top floor. Suddenly, I remembered him. The guy in the souvenir shop, I remembered him. The guy that I took uh, that that uh, that uh, takes f- uh, pic- pic- pictures for for souvenir, I remembered him. Suddenly, all of these just appeared. It was I mean, all uh, the innocent people. All the, to I mean, you. what did they have to do? I mean, Mr. Bin Laden. Okay, what did you achieve? You made made um, uh, made me. Uh, made people think that I'm a terrorist. These people that have nothing to do. If you have a problem with United States, why do you hit? Why do, I mean they're not even collateral damage. I mean you're at, you you targeted them. And he did it in the name of your religion, exactly. which makes it even so much more painful. Exactly. So so that's the point that we need. That I was trying to address when somebody does something, and this hits close to Arabs and Muslims because we know we are not terrorists. There is a less than one percent of people that believe in that ideology, that evil ideology that have vilified Islam, uh, and and we. It hurts us. Are the majority of Muslims happy with this new relationship with Israel? Uh, Or majority is the wrong word to use? Uh, the majority, unfortunately, I'll be very honest with you, the majority is uh, is uh, the wrong word to use. But uh, we are in a country that we believe in our leadership a lot. Our leadership years after years have proven to us that they want our welfare. We are not the only country with oil. 
But look into the other countries. Iran has oil. What, what did Iran do with that oil? Iraq has oil. What did Iraq do that to do with their oil? Venezuela has oil. What did they do with that with that oil? Kuwait has oil. Uh, Saudi Arabia has uh, has oil. It is, it's important what you do with it. And and our leadership have proven that they want our welfare. So there there, there is a percentage of people that are like me that are on cloud nine. I can't wait till the COVID is over to visit Israel. I can't wait. Uh, and there are some people that are re reserved because don't forget we've been adversaries in our education system on the newspaper and before August 13 uh, we were adversaries and uh, on August 13 suddenly you cannot expect a switch but but it seems that way it's so interesting because because of us accepting foreigners we are okay with foreigners right. we we had a lot of Jewish people visit We had a lot of Jewish people Just visit not from here, Israel. but not from Israel. Right. Okay, because even before we were saying we do not have a problem with the Jewish faith. We had the problem with Israel right. as being an adversary. Right. Yeah, with the politics. But now, like me, like me, I want the peace with Israelis and the Palestinians. If, if one state, two state, that's not up to me. My my leadership has that two two state. You would recommend to your colleagues in the PA to sit down at the. At a real peace table. Uh, if I can use a word stronger than recommend, I would use. Uh, I would... Uh, Implore them. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Because they need to sit across the table and read somewhere. But first, if they if they give themselves opportunity, if they give them the Palestinians, the poor Palestinian who's living there, an opportunity to work with the Israelis become and become friends, become family, And it is then it is easier to negotiate peace with friends. You know, we've we've traveled the world, thank God. We've had this opportunity with this with this network, and we've never come across Jewish leadership speak about the leaders of their host country the way we heard today. The way we heard the rabbis and those who are leaders in our community who would never have a reason to mention the leadership of their country, but made a point to tell us how grateful they are, the way they are treated here, and the way their institutions are treated here. 100%. Man, we are very lucky with our leadership. And that is why we uh, we love our le le leadership and trust them. I mean, years after, I mean, even before the sanctions with Iran, we had a lot of business with Iran. The, when the government started warning us, and then and then later we saw it's right. They so knew what they were doing. They knew yeah, what they were saying. Yeah. So now with Israel, a lot of people are saying that let's wait and see. Let's wait and see what uh, what happens. Again, I mean, I, I don't want to take a lot of your time because we grew up with Palestinians. Right. My teachers were Palestinians. But you're obviously not a wait and see guy if you're a member of the UAE Israel Business Council. You're already somebody willing to, to sit down and start getting some, some business going. Uh, I've already signed. You're late. Right, exactly. <laughs> I've already signed so uh, MOUs. I've already signed MOUs. Oh, there you go. Uh, okay. So you've jumped in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Full force. It was. Your uh, companies are generally in what area of business? Uh, we are in 15 different industries. All different. It could, uh, be, yeah. it could be oil, real estate. It could be anything. Everything. So what I mean for uh, f for me, being a businessman, I mean, I mean, I'm a businessman. I've been a businessman for 23 years. Israel was a market I couldn't tap. And you and you saw the tech industry there, what was happening. Not only tech, uh, the agriculture. Oh, oh, are there other industries uh, in Israel? What, uh, water filtration. <laughs> right, that's a good ag one. Agriculture. I mean, right. The agriculture in Israel is number one by far. By far. It's like uh, uh, it's, it's an league of its own. The agricultural industry in uh, Israel and what they have done without much of water, hats off, 
hats off and this is something that we uh, that i need to admire and learn but one thing that we can complete in this piece to israel israel is the startup nation uae is the scale-up nation mm. we can reach because of our logistical power dubai is one of the few cities in the world and the united arab emirates one of the few countries in the world that can say we can reach every nook and cranny in the world the only the only uh, state that uh, sorry the only continent that we can't reach easily is antarctica and we brought some penguins here in the malls <laughs> as ambassadors to that, to, to, to that continent. And I hear that they're enjoying their stay here. <laughs> they are. They are. They are. So the UAE can scale up the innovation of Israel to the whole world. So in general, any country that would seek your help and advice, you're ready to help them in whatever area is possible. 100%. They just have to want to, to grow and, and want to service their citizens properly. We have 100%. a lot of dictatorships around the world that would not have an interest in helping the people who live in their country. But those who would want to help, they're there for them. I mean, Palestine is an example. The, the Palestinian, if you ask a Palestinian on the street, what does he want? A safe house and food on the table. That's it. But his, their leadership, they are making money out of this stalemate. Yeah. I think talking Netflix language, I think everybody nowadays have watched The Queen's uh, Gambit. Right. And I would imagine this is a game that they have stopped the clock and they're staring at each other and not moving. This is what the Palestinian Authority is doing with, uh, with, uh, with Israel at the moment. They are not moving forward. They are, they are even, they've stopped the clock. So there is no discussion whatsoever. So regardless of what people feel of the of of uh, Israel left or uh, or the Israeli right, if they want peace or not, Palestinians have not given them the the option for the people to know who wants peace and doesn't. Leave the rhetoric. The r r rhetoric it might be for uh, uh, elections, yeah. and you and you just came from a country that just finished an election, so you understand an what interesting does, one. What uh, very much, <laughs> and you understand what does election. R r uh, uh, election rhetoric mean so leave that so in Israel the uh, the Palestinians have not given them a chance and I blame the Palestinian leadership I don't blame the poor Palestinian the Palestinian leadership have fed their people a mirage and have put them in such a bad economic situation that for God's sake uh, being a believer in uh, in heaven and in heaven and hell I think uh, the Palestinian Authority have uh, booked a uh, first-class ticket to hell. Wow. Uh, unbelievable. What an honor to have you here. Thank Thani, you very Thani much. Al Shirawi. Thank you very Humor much. Humor me. Tell me something you miss about America. Tell me something. A product, a, uh, something I'm, in Times Square. I don't know. Is there anything you miss about the okay. U.S.? Uh, are you a Giants fan? No, but I'm a big football fan. I'm a Jets fan, but I'm a big... Are you a football, an American football fan? Dallas Cowboys. Seriously? We're having a tough year. We got our butts kicked you can this say that morning. Again. We got our butts kicked so bad, it's both cheeks are hurting me. Who, who beat them? Who beat Dallas? Ravens. The Ravens beat Dallas? Yeah, okay, we are not playing with our startup quarterback, but uh, <laughs> uh, to me, American football is God's gift to humanity, and I mean it. And I'm not saying this because I'm sitting with an American right now. It's God's gift to humanity, not soccer. American football is God's gift to humanity, and I'm ready to more than baseball. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Baseball is nice. It's, it's fun. Fenway Park. Right. No, no, no. F See, baseball is a is a social game. Right. You can enjoy the game, right. and at the seventh, it's more about the eating, the talking, the yeah. observing. The seventh, right. eighth, ninth right. inning, your <laughs> blood pressure goes up. 
American football? No. From the coin toss. From the coin toss. You hear this? From the coin toss. From the coin toss. I mean, uh, I'm proud that I was there, and uh, I was there during the Emmett Smith, Troy Aikman, that Michael Irvin, and Novacek. That was my era. Ken Norton before he goes to San Francisco. You remember that? He won I, I Super Bowls that. with both Dallas and San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he had it back to back. Correct. Actually, three years with, in a row. With because two he had teams. he had two years right. with the Cowboys, then one year, th- one year where <laughs> Deion Sanders stole that uh, in <laughs> NFC conference from us. Then he came over to us. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> this is absolutely amazing. Uh, an honor to meet you. Thank, Thank you, you very much. Thank you for being here today. Thank you very and much. And you have an amazing country. Thank you very and please much. please tell everybody you deal with how amazing this country is. Thank you very much. And and, uh, and 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 again, while I love Dallas Cowboys, but I prefer New York over Dallas City Amen. any day. Amen. Any day. Uh, to, to commemorate the fact that now you'll be able to tell everybody uh, among your family and friends that you were actually part of our historic broadcast, we have a memento, and that is our Nahum Siegel Network Dubai 2020 I'll t-shirt. I'll wear it with pride. I appreciate I'll that wear it very, with pride. very much. And I promise you, because you, because you like that I, the fact that I like American uh, Football. football. The next Dallas Cowboys game, I'll I'll watch. I'll be wearing this. Phenomenal. So hopefully Outside. it is my good. Uh, hopefully it's my good luck charm. It better be a good luck charm. Uh, as we say here, inshallah. Inshallah, <laughs> that's right. Thani, thank, thank you. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Unbelievable. Thank uh, you. Thani Al Shirawi. Unbelievable. Great conversation, and uh, what a an honor to be um, uh, to be visited. And have this audience uh, be addressed by the deputy managing director of Oasis Investments and a founding member of the UAE Israel Business Council. Just unbelievable.